The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. Stamp of approval is really, it's a topical sermon series, and so maybe I should just preface with, um, it's different than all other, the, the sermon series that we'll go through, like the a book, you know, the book of Ruth or the book of Second John, right? We'll go through those books verse by verse by verse, and we'll just go through and whatever it's talking about, we'll talk about. Um, but this sermon series uh, is topical, and so I just want you to know that right off the bat, um, we're talking about a topic, and so I will be talking all throughout Scripture. I'm not going to be just sticking with this one book in the Bible. I'm going to be going all around Scripture, and so be ready to write down all these different references. You're like, man, he's bouncing all around, just picking and choosing. Um, no, I'm just really trying to encompass all of what the Bible says about the topic that we're talking about for the next few weeks. Um, and so what is the topic? The topic is our right or um, our call, maybe, to call out other people's sin. And so we're going to be talking about um, when you see somebody else living in sin or sinning, just in general, that uh, are you to call them out? Are you to challenge them in it? Are you to critique them? Um, and if so, how should you do it? Um, is only particular people should you? We're going to be talking about all of those things. Um, the topic of... Um, a stamp of approval, or giving someone's approval, or um, actually critique, critiquing them. Um, and so all of that kind of fits in this sermon series, and actually I'm really excited for it because it, it applies to everybody in your relationships, whether you're friends with a non-Christian that is not living um, for Christ, or your friends um, that are Christians that are sinning, because um, we all sin. Um, it relates to how we interact with everybody, everybody. And so... Um, I think it'll be really interesting, um, but it's kind of a balance, if you're thinking about it, it's a balance between loving and standing up for what is right and what is just, what is good, what is holy, um, balancing that with a, a, a grace and a forgiveness and a love for people, right, because people mess up. And so I'm um, balancing those two things. Because we're called, we're called to stand up for what is good, what is right. We should live holy lives, right? We should stand up for doing that. Uh, but at the same time, we should balance that with grace and, and love. And so, um, I mean, God does that, right? God is a just and holy God. He says that he despises evil. And um, in different places, he says that he would spit um, people out of his mouth, because he's so, he's so disgusted with um, living, a certain living um, that, the, that they would do, this, this actions that they would have. And so um, it says that God is holy and he would not tolerate uh, sin. But at the same time, we see that he is so loving and so gracious and he's so willing to embrace the sinner, us, and forgive. And so... If we see God is able to balance that, um, we should be able to balance that too, right? We should be able to balance this love for what is right, for what is holy, how somebody should live, and grace. And, and so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. Um, and so specifically to break down this sermon series uh, week by week by week, what is it going to look like? We're going to be starting off tonight looking at God's expectations for us. 
Okay? Uh, be before we can kind of subject somebody else to our expectations for how they should live, uh, we should tell somebody else how they should live. We should maybe look at how God calls us to live, right? Maybe do some internal looking before you do some uh, how should they be acting, right? And so we're going to be looking tonight at God's expectations for us. After that, not next week because next week's Epic Fall Fest, but the week after that, we're going to be looking at our expectations for unbelievers, people that don't live for God. How do we interact with them? Somebody that doesn't say, yeah, I want to live this lifestyle um, because there's this aspect of, well, I want to, I want to warn them of, of the lifestyle of what that's going to lead to, right? I want, I want to proclaim to them the gospel that they, should be, that they should be saved and living for God, that there's something special that we have. We want them to know about the love of God, right? And so to, to warn these people, but at the same time, love them. And so what does that look like? Our interactions with um, people that are not living for God and living sinful lifestyles, right? Um, and then the last week would be our expectations for believers. Somebody that is wearing a Christian name badge. Someone that's representing Christ. Um, and they're living in sin. How do we interact with somebody like that? Okay? And so um, with all that, please get this part. This is really important. Um, from these three weeks, if you have any questions, please write them down. Anything you're like, mm, not so sure about that. Some concerns. Some, uh, I actually don't agree with that. Or I want some clarification on that point that you made. Any of that in the next three sermons. Um, the fourth week we're going to have, October 24th, we're going to have a panel night. And so I will be asking um, anonymously submitted questions from you um, to a panel of people. And so in the next three sermon series, if you're like, ooh, that is a good question that just popped in my mind about this topic, type in that on the internet and submit your question. It's anonymous, so no one will know who submitted it. Um, and then we will ask those questions on a panel and we will get further elaboration on that. Okay? Um, before we get ahead of ourselves, tonight I want to talk about God's expectations for us. Before we start judging other people, critiquing other people, challenging other people, calling out other people, um, let's start looking internally, right, at us and God's expectation for us. And so, I guess just to put it out there and to be just clear where I'm coming from or what I'm really trying to talk about in the next 20 minutes or whatever it is, um, I believe... And I believe scripture will say, and we will talk about that in just a minute, we are in ourselves, you and I, no better than anyone else. Point in case right there. Very clear. One sentence. Um, that's the main point. We are in ourselves no better than anybody else. And now you're probably thinking of all these people like, mm, you don't know so-and-so. Mm, yeah, I am. <laughs> you know, um, that's probably maybe what's going through your head. Like, actually, I'm a decent person, and I know so-and-so is not so much. Um, but I want to stand up for in the next 20 minutes so we, you and I, in ourselves are no better than that person. And so, um, personal story, been a little transparent with you guys. Uh, in high school, early in high school, and actually all through high school, really, I didn't believe this sentence. I, I did not agree with this. I wouldn't have agreed with this sentence. I actually really thought I was a pretty awesome guy and um, I was way holier than other people. And um, because of that, I think I lost out on a lot of friendships. A lot of um, guys that I could have befriended. Guys that I actually started out eighth grade, early into freshman year. We spent a lot of time together. Um, but then whenever I got really serious about church, they got um, pulled in with partying and all that stuff. Um, me not believing this sentence, that I was no better than them... Uh, 
uh, it really affected my ability to just be friends with them. They no longer wanted to spend time with me uh, because well, they were ashamed to even talk about who they were in front of me because you know, I was so prideful and they, uh, were, they, were, they were embarrassed. They were ashamed. Oh, if I tell Isaac, he's going to definitely judge me. Um, I told you, being honest with you, uh, I didn't agree with this sentence. And um, because of that, these guys, um, I just kind of got pushed out of the friend group, these group of guys that I hung out with. And, um, and actually, to be completely honest, I was proud of that because it just like gave me another star. Like, man, that guy, everyone knows he's too holy to hang out with those people. He is, he is awesome. And, um, and, I, and I, you know, it just made me feel good. Yeah, so-and-so, he doesn't, he doesn't want to talk to me about him going out and partying. Yeah, you better be ashamed of that. Whenever you think of me, you better think of um, how horrible you are. Yeah, and it just make me feel, I mean, just being honest, okay? Um, I don't know if that's you. Um, I pray it's not you uh, because they need you in their life, and you need them in, in your life. Um, but that was the case. I was, I was proud of them feeling ashamed around me. Um, because it made me feel like I was that much more holier, uh, that much better of a person. But really, um, the, the reality was, is I was misleading them to understanding what true Christianity was. Because to them, when they looked at me, they were understanding that I'm not good enough to be um, a person that can walk into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If I look at Isaac um, and that's what it means to be a Christian, then I have no business walking into a church. I have no business. I'm not good enough to um, step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what I was leading them to understand because I didn't understand this, because I didn't believe this, that I was no better than them because I wasn't telling them that I was no better than them. I was saying I am better than them. Maybe I wasn't saying it, but I was acting like it. So I was misleading them, misrepresenting uh, Christianity, but I was also lying to myself. I was, I was just lying to myself because the reality was I actually wasn't holier than them. I had some pretty uh, deep and dark um, secrets that were just sin in my life. And though maybe their uh, sinful living was out in the open, other people could see it. Um, and I could point and say, yeah, that is sin. Um, they had no clue about the sin that I was living in. And I was minimizing it, saying, yeah, I'm way better than them. And just trying not to acknowledge. I had some issues, too. I was no better than them, um, though I told myself I wasn't. So uh, if that's you, if you're thinking, actually, yeah, mm, I am a little bit better uh, than a lot of people. I am pretty holy. Uh, would you just hear me out as we just open up Scripture that you're not <laughs> better than them? Um, you're, I'm not better than anyone else in ourselves, in our sinfulness, in our nature, in who we are naturally, we are no better. And so would you just hear me out if that's you, like, mm, I am better. Uh, just maybe hear what Scripture has to say, specifically uh, Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 9. Really, it's all in the first few chapters of Romans. Uh, Paul talks about this particular topic. And so he says, uh, what then? And, and not to just take this out of context, starting in verse 9, he's talking about um, these, these people, these Gentiles that... Are like, ah, oh, we can sin. God will forgive us. So let's go sin. And um, Paul's like, that's horrible. You should not have that mentality. Just go sin because God's going to forgive you. And so this is what he's talking about. He says, uh, what then? Are we any better off because we're trying not to sin? Um, are we any better off? Not at all. If we have already charged that both Jews, people that would uh, follow the rules, people that would live holy lives the best they could, um, 
We've already charged that both Jews and Gentiles, people that wouldn't care about living um, uh, according to the law, both of them are under sin. As it is written, get this, this is in the Bible. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one, get this, there is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike, everyone's alike, have become worthless. You're like, man, Paul, awesome, thanks so much. Really stroking my ego here. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. You're like, I'm the exception, not even one. Uh, Paul is making it very clear. No one, no one is good in themselves. And I really want to emphasize that point in ourselves, in yourself, you are not good. If you go to that, uh, we are in ourselves no better than anyone else. I really want to emphasize that because that is so important because I know if you're in a Christian uh, lifestyle, if you are living um, with Christ and just living and dwelling within you, um, there's this idea of becoming a better person, right? Of just growing and living a more holy life. Uh, but you're lying to yourself if, it is, if you think that it's because of you, that you're becoming better, that I'm a decent person and God just made me better. Uh, no, no one is righteous and God took you from there uh, to be righteous. If you, if you actually go from uh, Romans 3, turn to Romans 8 and you look at verse 13, it really talks about that there. It says, um, if... Through the Spirit, that is God living within you, if through the Spirit you put to death uh, deeds of the body, is what it says, meaning just like uh, sinful living, okay? If you put that to death through the Spirit, because it's through God that would make us live even decently good lives, uh, because we are no good in ourselves if it were just us, if it were just our nature, if it was just how we are in ourselves, if it was us without God, then we naturally, will always go the sinful route. We are no better than ourselves. Roman, Romans 3 says that, and then Romans 8 says that we are only good through the Spirit of God dwelling within you. That is what makes you a good person. Um, that is what makes you living according to how God wants you to live. It would be exalting Him in your life. And so, um, but not to get off track, sorry. I think a lot of people would say, well, but I go to church. I'm a church person, and all throughout Scripture, you look, um, just, just read the book of, of Corinthians, either one of the books of Corinthians. So 1 so Corinthians, you see that um, these people had sexual uh, sin. First of all, this guy that was sleeping with his mother-in-law, okay, so that's one thing. Um, you're like, ooh, gross. Um, but there was so much more than that. There's so much more than that, just lifestyles that were within churched people. And so maybe you're a church person, but you're struggling with sexual sin. Just because you're a church person doesn't make you a great person. Um, if you look in Revelation, the church in Ephesus, they were um, unrepentant, it says. And so meaning they didn't want to accept that they were at fault. Same with Cor uh, the Corinthians. They were prideful. They were spiritually prideful. They thought they were the... Them and God were making all the calls. They thought that, you know, they were the most spiritual people of all. And so maybe you're a church person, but you're just filled with pride. Maybe you're like the Ephesians, that you just, the people at Ephesus, that they just didn't want to accept that they were wrong in, every, in anything, um, in the lifestyle that they had. If you look in Revelation, uh, Laodicea, the, the, the church there, they, um, they were so bad that they even said that they weren't Christians but they were going to church. 
So somebody can be a church person and not even be a Christian. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a great person. It might not even make you um, someone that's even living for God at all. And so um, I really just want to talk about how we are in ourselves no better than anyone else. I like this uh, quote that I have. If I jump back, um, here it is. It says, it is not hard to show someone that he is a sinner. I think everyone would accept, right? Like you, like you and I, yeah, we mess up. We don't live great lives. We're sinners, okay? Um, that's, it's not hard to show someone that he is a sinner. It is nearly impossible, though, and I would actually take out nearly. I would say it is impossible uh, to show him the depths of his sinfulness. It's not hard to show somebody that he's a sinner, that he messes up, that he makes mistakes. It's not hard to show somebody that he does that, but it is impossible, I think, to show them the depths of how sinful they are. I think that is impossible. And that is what uh, Romans 3 is all talking about in the first couple chapters. In Romans 1, it's talking about how everybody knows that God is the ruler. He's created everything. He shows himself throughout the world, and yet you still reject him. So we have no excuse. We are all sinners. That's what it says in Romans 1. And then you get to Romans chapter 2, the first verse, knowing that. And it says, therefore, every one of you who judges is without excuse. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself, since you, the judge, do the same thing. We know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on the truth. Do you really think any one of you who judges those who do such things, yet do the same thing, that you'll escape God's judgment? Paul's pretty harsh here. So he's saying no one is righteous... We are no better than those people. Therefore, chapter 2 here, therefore, you have no room to judge anybody. We, we have no room to judge anybody because we are on the same playing field. Whether you're a Christian or you're a non-Christian, base level, foundational, starting point, all of us are sinful Broken people that naturally will always choose sin if it wasn't for God leading us towards him, to love him, to live for him. We will always choose sin. Romans 3, Romans 8, Romans 1, 2. No one, no one is righteous. So therefore, we have no right to judge anybody. I think sometimes... We would say, oh, well, at least our sin isn't that sin, right? And you would just point to somebody else, oh, they, though, what they're doing. You see that, and I can't actually read the whole passage. i got to just do it briefly and just talk about it. But in 2 Samuel chapter 12, David does this exact thing. Okay, so David, he's a king of Israel, and He takes this woman, Bathsheba, from a man, Uriah. So David, he's the king. He has everything. Uriah, he's just a soldier. And he, he had, I mean, really, he's just a soldier. He's just a normal guy, living a normal life, trying to make it. But he has this wife. That's beautiful, Scripture says. So Uriah goes off to war. David sees his beautiful wife, and he takes her as his own. And then he kills off Uriah to where he can have his wife. That's what David did. And then... 
Samuel comes along and he goes to David and he goes, David, I need to tell you about something. King, I need to let you in on something that happened. And so David, tell me, yeah, yeah, tell me. And Samuel says, okay, so there was this really rich farmer. He had all these cattle, all, all this cattle. And a guest came into town and he wanted to give him a meal. And so instead of taking one of his own cattle... Because he had so much. He was a rich farmer. He went to this poor farmer who only had one lamb, this little lamb that he'd been raising up. He, he uh, took care of it, nurtured it. He, he cared deeply about this one lamb. And the rich farmer, though he had a lot, he went and he took the poor farmer's lamb and he, made that, and he used that lamb to make the meal for his guest. And David's response in 2 Samuel 12, he freaked out and said, well, that man needs to die. And so you really don't want to be underneath his reign, first of all, um, if he's going to send that guy to death for that. But he did. He, he, was, he was mad, and he said, that man should be punished. As long as I'm king, he should be set to death. And Samuel says, well, David, that man is you. You have everything. Yet you took the one little thing that this, this poor other person he, the one thing that he held on to and he cherished and he cared about, and you took it from him, you were that farmer. But the issue was, is David didn't see the issue that he did, the, the sin that he committed. All he saw was a, a farmer sin, and he wanted to point at that farmer and say, you know what, that guy, at least what I did with Bathsheba and Uriah, at least it wasn't that. I think it's really common for us. Even though... Regardless of how horrible the sin is that you're struggling with, regardless of how horrible it is that you would do, you would still minimize, no matter how big it is, you would minimize, and no matter how small there is, you would say, at least I'm not doing that. It's natural for us. It, Luke chapter 6 talks about how um, you, you have this log in your eye, and you would point out somebody's speck in their eye and say, man, you've got to get that fixed. At least it's not that sin. You know, look at that. It's common for us, but, but Paul says, Paul says, no one is righteous, therefore you have no room to talk about their sin. You have no room to talk about this, their sin. We are just as bad as anybody else. We are in ourselves no better than them. And so if I were to have some application, if I were to say, okay, so I want you to go out and do this. I want us to grow in this. I want us to work on doing this. I would say that I want us to be able to have humble eyes in the next few weeks as we look at this sermon series, as we look at how do we interact with someone that doesn't, doesn't affirm Christianity, they don't want to live for Christ. How do we interact with that person? I think we should first start with humble eyes and say, you know what, I'm no better than you in myself, I'm no better than you, and approach the conversation that way. Whenever we talk about how we interact with believers, somebody that is a Christian, that they are affirming Christ, but yet they still mess up, and they're living in this sin, or they just got caught with this one big sin, whatever it is, that we would go to them, and to call them out, if, if we were to challenge them, to call them out in their sin, that we would have humble hearts, and say, you know what? First of all, I'm no better than you either. I think that is the foundational first step that we have to have is to know that we are in ourselves no better than anyone else. And so we have no room to judge them. 
We might be a spokesman for God to, to lead them in a certain direction. We can get to that in further weeks, but we must know in our own hearts that we are no better than anyone else. I think if we could walk up to somebody, whoever it is that you wanted to challenge to call out in their sin, to critique how they're living, if you could come up to them and say, you are no more sinful than I am. Therefore, you are no less a candidate for grace than I am. That might sound really weird if you actually said that. And they're like, oh, okay, weird person. <laughs> but no, the concept, to know that they, that they are no more sinful than you, and so therefore they are no less a candidate for grace and forgiveness and love and acceptance because you're no better, and yet you're accepted by God. And you're loved by God. You're forgiven by God. I think that's a foundational thing. That's what I'm going to start with in this series, critiquing people's sin, calling out people's sin. We must first know that we are no better, and yet we're loved by God. And I think that should really decide and lead how we interact with everyone else that is in sin, just like us. And so um, I told you... uh, a personal story at the very beginning, right, how I had in high school all these guys that I kind of lost a friendship because I was so prideful I thought that I was better than them. Um, let me tell you a story of a friendship that I gained because I didn't think that I was better than him. There was this guy that I worked with um, after high school, and, um, you know, we worked with each other, but we never talked about anything deep or serious. Um, but we had this late-night job one time, with each other, and so, I mean, late hours, into the morning, and um, we got into a deep conversations, and he started talking to me about a lot of things he struggles with, um, the fact that his uh, marriage was about to come to an end because of it, and there was all these just different issues that he had in his life, um, and what I didn't do was start pointing my finger, saying, ooh, I'm going to school to be a pastor, let me tell you how you should fix this. I sat there and listened to him. He was pretty broken, and so I just wanted to talk with him and just kind of get to know his story a little bit better. And, um, and that actually led to a, a deep friendship and um, to where we, I could critique later on, like, hey, you know, and let's, let's talk about this. And, and I could call out different things, like, man, you know you shouldn't be. And, and I could call out, and I could critique, and I could challenge all these different things. But that first night, that really set our friendship to where I could do that. I just sat and listened, and I didn't say, let me tell you how you should live your life. I didn't critique. I didn't challenge. I just sat there with humble ears, listening to him, thinking to myself, man, I'm no better than this guy. And if it was just for me, if it wasn't for Christ in me, I would be down the same exact path as him because I am no better than him. And if I were to live my life how Isaac would have me live it, it would be a train wreck just like that. But God would lead me in another way. But I want to know that I myself am no better than him. And so I just sat and listened. And I gained a friendship out of it to where I could later critique, challenge, and he could do the same for me. Um, and so just keep that um, in the back of your minds as we go into the next few weeks. That we are no better. And so they're no less a candidate for grace. We hope you enjoyed this sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.